Hello, welcome to the HR Champions Podcast. My name is Phil Scott, and I bring to you exceptional leaders from the HR industry. In this podcast, we'll be discussing their careers to date, their passion for HR, and the challenges they have faced along the way. I hope you enjoy listening. Today, I'm delighted to introduce Michael Raybone, Head of Human Resources at the Rick Stein Group. Rick Stein Group, we're recognized as one of the top 100 best places to work pre-lockdown. And I'm excited to hear how they've handled the pandemic. Being in hospitality, it's uh, not been easy for them. And uh, we're going to explore that in today's show. So, Michael, my introduction does it no justice whatsoever. So would you like to give the listeners a quick introduction to who you are? Thank you, Phil. My name is Michael Raybone. I'm Head of Human Resources for the Rick Stein Group, as Phil mentioned. I've been working for the group for nearly 14 years. We've grown fourfold in that time. So we're now an employer of 600 running restaurants, retail shops, guest accommodation sites in Cornwall and the south of England. So let's just uh, talk about you and your career. How did you first get into HR? Well, I nearly made a really bad decision, Phil. I I went off to university having really enjoyed business studies at A-level and I chose an IT degree. It was a disaster. I think after about a month or so, I quickly came to the conclusion that I'd made a really poor choice and it absolutely wasn't the career for me. Uh, I have to say, if it wasn't the intervention of of a, a chap that I now obviously credit for having a big stake in helping me achieve the career that I've had, uh, I'm not sure I probably would have stayed at university in truth. So I, I actually switched to a, a human resources management degree with his guidance and, and just literally didn't look back. I went off and did a placement year uh, that really grounded me in terms of the context of my studies and then quickly got a job through a graduate recruitment scheme, which I guess, unfortunately, few and far between these days. But but I was given a great opportunity to work for a big retail firm uh, that, that really set me up in terms of my future career. So so a lucky break, I would say, but it's it's hard to think now, actually, what, what I would be doing, how I would be doing things if I hadn't have made that choice at that time. So a, a really significant intervention for me. Great. And what is it you like about working in human resources? I think I like a challenge, Phil. So I've definitely chosen the right career. I think it's um, there's, there's a nice bit of predictability and unpredictability about the job that I have. And I'm really curious about what makes people tick, what drives people to improve, to better themselves from a professional point of view. But I'm also incredibly mindful of the things that we know can hold us back in terms of our well-being, our circumstances, the challenges that we encounter throughout our career. So I hope I've learned a, a nice balance there in terms of understanding individual circumstances that then allows us to remember the people part of the 600 people that we employ, and but equally then to find a balance in the way that we run and operate our business. Good. And um, how would you say your career's progressed so far? What's, what's been the secret? I, I would say a, a fair chunk of good fortune, Phil, and being in the right place at the right time, I have to be honest. I've, I mean, I've been so incredibly lucky over the years. It is on reflection. It's very strange to think that having had I've had three jobs since my teenage years. So I've, I've been able to stick it out in the roles that I've been in. Uh, it feels like it's gone very fast over that period of time. But I think loyalty is a really big factor for me is, is the, the opportunity to, to learn, the opportunity to be, be given a chance. And I, and I recognise that, that people have taken a punt on me. They obviously saw some potential. I, I, I acknowledge that much. But uh, I've had people who have invested in me and my career and put that faith in me, perhaps as a slightly untried and tested 
HR professional at a young age to give me those opportunities, to give me that exposure to go and succeed. And I owe those individuals a massive debt of gratitude because without that, I, I just simply wouldn't have had the opportunity to learn and grow in the way that I have done over the last 20 years. Good. And have there been any particular standout achievements of studying good stead? I suppose I have to acknowledge that, that to achieve top 100 status recently was a was a massive achievement for us on a collective basis. But I, I would I, think, I hope it's fair to say I've had a relatively unspectacular career. And and by that, I mean that just wanted to try and do the simple things really well. Just wanted to, to demonstrate real care for the people that work for the business to create the right culture. And I know it, it probably sounds simplistic in a way, but but we know how valuable that is for engagement and making sure that people feel looked after and, and, and then the benefits to our business and our customers when we get that bit right. And it's, it's something that I've been incredibly proud of over the years that the, the places that I've worked, so I say we've had a very strong relationship as a team, as a business, and that's just stood us in such good stead then to go on and improve. So when I say unspectacular, I hope it makes sense that it's, I don't think we've done anything particularly outstanding or unique it's just that we've done things in the right way and and carefully listened to and understood our people and used that as a basis for driving improvement which we know obviously when things stagnate and they go still that it makes things so much more difficult and and just love the fact that we've wanted to keep improving our business and keep listening and we do it so well with customers all the time we're always listening to customer feedback but it takes something a little bit extra to do that with the team and, and I'm glad that we've we've made the effort in that area because it's yielded such great rewards for all of us to improve our business. And have you, um, within HR, stuck to sort of your uh, basic responsibilities or do you get involved with wider business initiatives? I think it, I've learned to improve that, Phil, I would say. It's an area that, that I've needed to work on and, and I think spending time in the business has been a, a great advantage to, to keep us grounded in the context of what we do seeing our customers' feedback every single day and reading what, what our business means to them, where we get it right, where we get it wrong, and, and actually understanding that feedback to help us go on and drive improvements is, is critical. And equally, I, I do like to share an idea or two, sometimes a little bit wayward, um, but I like the thought of you know, contributing to the way we improve our business. So all of those three things married together, I think have helped me um, deliver a, a broader role as a HR professional and I've still got more to do on that front I, I recognize that that I can contribute more and in a different way and I think particularly over the last 12 months as, as our business has changed because of obvious reasons and the size of our team has reduced I've got the opportunity to do more of that into 2021. Okay and um, on to the Rick Stein group um, we mentioned in the intro it was recognized for um, being one of the top 100 companies to work for, what makes it special? I think we thing I love about our business there's there's just something so precious about having that family business culture and our ability to adapt and our ability to to understand our people, understand our customers, and to find ways to better what we do. I just think that's such a it's such a lovely thing to be involved in a in a family culture where improvement is at the heart and it always has been it's, it's a 45 year old business that's remained in family hands and, and it, it just shows I think it's it's such a positive characteristic for us and I love the fact that we're never quite satisfied that we've got it perfectly right we're always looking at ways to just make small improvements and tweaks to just better our business for our people and our customers 
and I think that that's something that we can be incredibly proud of. It's it's it takes time, it takes effort. We have to dedicate time to make that happen, um, but we've got the balance right, and I think that was reflected then in some of the feedback that we got from our our team when we surveyed for the top 100 companies. Great, and um, we we talked about on a sort of previous conversation. Um, sort of January, February, you know, you, you, you're forecasting and looking at um, 2020 um, with pandemic not really sort of known uh, other than uh, on the news from China. Um, so what was the outlook for, uh, for the business, you know, at the beginning of the year? I mean, it just seems a strange time now to think back to without no, any knowledge at all of what was about to follow. We'd, we'd had a really good 12 months up until that period and had been working on improving our business and, and had results. I mean, we were, I think we were finding that we were making progress with engagement, we we're making progress with our customer feedback scores, we we're making progress with sales and profits. And it, it was a, a very healthy relationship. And we'd, we'd got the news in December that we'd made the top 100 list and, and the celebration event was in the February. And obviously we couldn't share that until the celebration event was over. So, so to get to February and to have this scenario where we were able to look back on a really successful year or so where we'd made such massive improvement to the way we do things and the way we listen and the way we improve our business and then to suddenly find that that we were getting into early March and it's obviously it's a tough time of year for us as a company we're a very seasonal business we're having a lot of sites in Cornwall we our footfall reduces quite substantially over the the, the autumn and winter period so we knew it's always been a consideration for us that cash flow would be a challenge around that winter time so we've always been very very careful with that and had to manage it in the best possible way and to then start having conversations and I'll never forget it it, it will stick with me the feeling of being able to or having to sit down and start contemplating that there was this little message out there that this could be a, a much bigger issue than perhaps is being suggested so we we had a brief conversation and decided that contingency planning was was critical and we had to take it seriously and it just I can't the pace that things escalated at I think will always stick with me because we were literally at a stage where we were sat having conversations saying well what can we do and you might remember that you know this was around the time when there was this message about seeing happy birthday twice and you know perhaps the, the significance the severity of this uh, perhaps wasn't quite known and therefore to then be in a position where what felt like literally a matter of days from things being fine looking optimistic looking forward to the year ahead to them being in a position where we were having to close our doors it was an enforced closure for our sector as you know and the, the sad reality was I think at that stage with no certainty that we'd reopen them again and, and the reason being that cash flow unpredictable few months not knowing how long lockdown would last for what the consequences for our sector would be uh, we had a very real proposition that that our business could find itself in a very difficult situation. So we then understood that having to react, communicate, our team looked to us for guidance and leadership at such a difficult time. We knew that we had to do it right. We had to be really thorough and, and we had to work damn hard to make sure that we could fight for the survival of this company. And that was, a, that was an incredibly daunting time. So um, I suppose, um, I mean, you're going from all, you know, closing the doors, staring zero revenue in the face and and, and, and also spring and, and summer being a seasonal business is, you know, is where you, you make the money. And um, 
you know what what contingency plans you know what 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 came about what um, you know what sort of ideas were there yeah well i mean one of the things we knew we'd we'd built our business on was conversations about ideas and improvement and we didn't see that uh, that had to stop i mean obviously being in a crisis was was worrying it was a very difficult backdrop to be working in uh, we, we, it was absolutely opposite to everything we know in terms of having our doors open being welcoming and engaging with people it just literally stopped overnight so so from our point of view we immediately went back to what we know best which was to engage in conversation to talk openly about our circumstances to be transparent with our team about where we are and, and what needed to happen next and part of that conversation was was so valuable that we we opened up discussion about ideas and improvement and it perhaps in a way probably feels like a very strange conversation to be having when faced with a crisis but we just felt it was so valuable to engage with our people and understand what they saw as a way through this just as much as we did and the ideas that that generated I can remember just being completely blown away seeing I think it was probably about the best part of 200 contributions from across our business that a whole range of things about what we could do better to engage uh, with our customers because I mean if you take as an example we, we could obviously trade with with a takeaway restaurant but we don't really other than fish and chip restaurants operate takeaways so so we'd be talking about having to, to convert a model about having to change our approach uh, but there was one thing that that really stood out to us and that was obviously whilst in lockdown the inability to to visit a restaurant uh, the, the demand for uh, quality food uh, the, the Steins at Home concept came about, which was a three-course meal. It was a, a Rick recipe, a Rick, Rick Stein meal uh, for two delivered to your door. And that emerged from conversations in consultation with our team. And we just ran with it. And I've never seen us work at that kind of pace before, Phil. It just, it just wasn't, the, it wasn't our style, perhaps, to, to, to take something, run with it and, and launch it quickly. Uh, but to have, to have started with very humble expectations, we thought we might sell perhaps 50 boxes, Steins at Home boxes a week. Uh, we've peaked at 1,700 in recent times. So just an absolutely staggering contribution from our team to say, right, how do we shift our model? How do we adapt our approach, knowing that our doors may not be open for, for months to come? And it just the potential that that model gives us is so substantial. Because if you can imagine, it's created employment, which is, I guess, critical at a difficult time. Uh, it's created career opportunities for people to step up to bigger roles and then we've been in a position where we can start to look ahead at what sales might do for the for the next year and we're, we're confident actually going to start to erode our seasonality and give us a, an alternative model away from our, our traditional restaurants that that will help just reduce the impact of that seasonality on our business and obviously giving customers what they want i mean we we're in the business of doing that and, and the feedback that we've had has been amazing and where we've got it wrong we'll, we'll learn lessons and make improvements and keep that feedback flowing and it's just it's just been so exciting and interesting to see us take something run with it not be too afraid you know in terms of we will make mistakes we will get it wrong and we will have to listen and, and improve but to feel confident that we've got the right thing there so yeah what, a, what an absolutely staggering contribution to um, go I would say to, to contribute to a change in fortunes for our business. I, I suppose then you've got two, um, two, almost two revenue streams or two models now going forward. So you've got the restaurant uh, side and then, and then the sort of, the, 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 is it menu in a box? Is that, uh, yeah. 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 
And um, how's, I mean, we've had two lockdowns, uh, so lockdown one, in, you know, in the, in the spring. Um, how's the summer been in between? Is that, you know, with sort of staycations, has that helped yeah. at all? Or? It's been so significant. We've, we've been incredibly lucky have the summer that we've had obviously Cornwall has been in a in a position where the case count has been low I mean obviously it's been it was a worrying time I mean we were opening our doors in in July a, a completely unknown quantity in terms of the the potential risks and and from the outset we, we just knew that we had to run a safe business for our customers and, and for our people to return to work so not not an easy thing to do I guess you know three and a half months of of closure having to find ourselves in a position to to effectively start from scratch reopen our doors but but we had faith and I think we we believe that well we had to have faith in the fact that we would reopen on the 4th of July that Cornwall would be considered a, a popular destination for visits like you said travel abroad wasn't really a great option at that stage even if it's probably not now as well and to have then the faith that we could get into a position where we could reopen those doors safely confidently doing the right things for our customers the right things for our people uh, it took some planning we had a I mean if you can imagine the three months running up to that was was quite a sensitive time we were in consultation for um, a, a relatively small number of redundancies unfortunately 30 colleagues across the business uh, were made redundant and and that was a that was a very difficult patch for us and we certainly didn't want to to be there it was absolutely no choice of ours but we knew that survival of the business was a challenge and, and have to say for our colleagues that for the way in which they handled that it was it was unbelievable the way they understood and went about contributing ideas and improvements even if faced with difficulties themselves so it's been a real test of the relationship and I've been so conscious of that and there was a very small team of us um, working on those improvements over those closed months whilst everybody was on furlough and the, the main aim was just to get our doors back open and to get back to doing what we do best, and, and that is looking after people, whether it's our, our customers or our team. And we've had a, an exceptional summer. Our people have worked incredibly hard. It's been a, it's been a tough time. It's not been easy. And even the, the basic premise of having to wear a face mask in, in the course of doing your job is, is, is certainly not an easy thing in a, in, a, in a warm kitchen environment with a lot of activity going on. So it's, it's been, a, it's been a, a challenging time but it's been an equally important time for us as we've gradually recovered from the difficult position that we found ourselves in. And as I said, there's, there's no escaping the fact that we have sadly tested em employee relationships, we've tested supplier relationships whilst we've been through a tough time. But with a, a sensible plan and a carefully managed approach, we've been able to get our business back on track and the summer has proven incredibly important to our recovery. And that coupled with our online shop business, the Steins at Home product. Uh, we're starting now to see some, some really positive signs of recovery that show us that, that there's great potential for next year, but we've got to keep doing the right things, making good decisions, looking after people, looking after customers, getting back to doing what we do best. And I'm just really pleased now that we're, we're looking forward. We're talking about ideas, we're talking about improvements. We're reflecting on what we've learned this year in terms of how we can approach next year. And I think confidence is is returning. It's returned, and we're now we're now in a position where we can look forward. And I have to say, after the year we've had, that's incredibly welcomed. I'm going to say it must have been a, a very difficult period. How important would you say HR has been to the organisation through uh, through this period? 
I'd like to think that after people amid some very challenging circumstances and I think the, the, the big difficulty has been the whole uncertainty and, and the, the emphasis on good communication, us, us sharing information about where we are, being transparent with our people about the difficult circumstances that we found ourselves in and, and obviously trying to wade through the minefield that was the coronavirus job retention scheme and all the associated and, and ever-changing rules around it and that was some um, I have to say, it, it's very strange looking back to that period of, of March, April time when things were in their infancy, really not knowing what the future would hold, but just loving the fact that everybody was so galvanised and, and sticking together and, and showing great faith in one another to say that, that however hard it had got, we were, we were going to get through this and that there was some optimism. And it just, I, I just think I'm, I'm proud of the work that we've put in as a, as a HR team. Uh, we had a massive um, spike in recruitment activity to get ourselves back open again at the end of June ready for the beginning of July because quite a few people then left as, as the furlough scheme uh, started to wind up at that point so it was quite an intense period but I think given the alternative Phil I think it was just it was a welcome opportunity for us to show great care for the people who work hard to, to make our business what it is and that's that's not difficult in a way it was a few hours, you know, there was a lot of work to do. There's been some difficult conversations at times, but just having that end in sight that we could deal with this, that we could get through this no matter what, was just motivational for me and, and us as a, as a team to be able to, to go on and do whatever we needed to do to get those doors back open and, and to make people happy again. And, and I think we've accomplished that. Well, it's uh, really good to to hear uh, that it's um, you know that you you've done everything you can and uh, you know it's it's having the impact. So I'm going to bring it on to on, uh, back onto you, Michael. Um, we talked about sort of people that have uh, inspired you early in your career, but give me three people um, who have been inspirational to you as an individual. Okay, I think, I think the one gentleman called Mike Lee, who was a uh, um, Plymouth Business School where I went to university. If without his intervention, Phil, I I, I my career probably would have stalled and I dread to think what I'd be doing now so so he was a massive influence to me and, and somebody that I've I think I've repeatedly said thank you to a few too many times and but but I, I do I do have really appreciated the difference that he made and then two two individuals very different circumstances a lady called Jane Camp who was uh, my effectively my boss at Tesco and gave me my first senior level appointment and showed a lot of faith in me as a 22 year old and probably an opportunity that in hindsight I may not have been ready for but but I, I learned a massive amount from Jane in terms of having faith in potential and giving opportunities to people and, and trusting them to go and do a good job and, and obviously I had a, a few nudges back on the straight and narrow in terms of the mistakes that I made and and that I guess you know probably not as mature as I should have been at that age on reflection but um, Jane gave me great opportunities and and I got moved a few times during that time and it was the making of me I think it really accelerated my career development and then the final scenario our, our current managing director Ian Fitzgerald I think in terms of my career I've bounced around a little bit in terms of reporting lines worked with different people and probably had quite a hands-off relationship at times in that regard so I would say it's been lovely to be trusted and, and wonderful to have the opportunity to go on and and do my thing and focus on what I'm best at but it's not all positive I think it comes with some consequences and and I think then 
you have to be really disciplined about improving yourself and taking steps to focus on your development, bettering what you do as an individual, what we do as a, as a team to contribute to the business. And I think that can be a little bit compromising when you don't have a, a manager who is so heavily involved or interested in your personal development and there to probably give you a little bit of a nudge along the way. And, and Ian's been absolutely incredible at that for me in terms of helping me better myself, helping me look at ways I can improve individually, how I can uh, improve what we contribute as a team. And, and I would say he's had a significant bearing on my recent career in terms of broadening my horizons and helping me. And Ian's not an HR professional, he's, a, he's an experienced restaurant operator and director and, and has been, but on a personal level, takes interest and, and, has, and has challenged me in the nicest possible way to, to go and achieve. And that, I think, when I look back at what we've done to better our business, the work we did with the top 100 list and so on, I think I owe him a, a significant gratitude for what he's done for me on a personal level. So um, apart from Ian, um, how else do you, do you learn as an individual? What personal development do you do? I think the, the most important things for me in recent years, Phil, has been that the, the trigger point has been to use 360 degree feedback to, to gather an understanding of how I'm perceived, both good and, and bad, if you like, opportunities to improve. And then I've had a couple of coaching relationships off the back of those 360s that I've done. Two very different relationships, actually. One, one a much kind of softer exploratory relationship to help me understand my feedback, what how I'm going to work on it and how I will better myself. And then latterly, perhaps more of an executive coaching type relationship where I would say I was challenged much harder about my thoughts, views, perceptions, how I go about doing my job and what I need to do to better my approach as a, as a business leader and a HR professional. And I think it has, it's not easy. It hasn't been easy, but, but I think it's only when you realise I should have been doing that. I had a gap where I didn't do that enough. And, and I think on reflection, I should never have got out of that habit because it was so important that just to take that time to focus on me, to feel comfortable to say that actually, if it takes a little bit of investment uh, in a coaching relationship and so on, then it's money worth spending. It's, it's valuable. It feels very selfish in a way, but, but I needed to get past that and recognize that me being on top form is, is not just great for the business. It's also really important to me and my career and my well-being and having found myself in perhaps the opposite position uh, in one difficult scenario I now value that more so than ever and I think probably the key thing for me has been that that is just feeling comfortable to recognize that you can't get everything right all the time that even with good intentions you can make mistakes and, and actually there's nothing more powerful than the humility of recognizing when you get it wrong and reflecting on that and then learning and and I think that is where I've made the biggest inroads in recent times and and I feel a, a different person as a result of that Phil it's it's quite massive for me that um, and my well-being that that I've got a much better control over that. And you mentioned mistakes then is, is there um, any particular mistakes that you've made uh, if so what advice would you have to others so you don't make the same mistake? Yeah yeah I have Election, I have to be very honest with myself and say that I, I can remember having a chat with a guy I went to a HR conference and, and a, a very experienced chap who had worked in HR for a number of years approached me and we were talking about what we did and he was asking how long I'd been in the role for and I think I told him like six or seven years and he did a bit of a, like a sharp intake of breath and I thought I don't I don't understand what this means but 
he was like, oh, you're, you're at that stage then. And I just, I couldn't recognize what he was referring to. He was talking about a kind of like the seven year itch thing and, and getting to the point where you don't, you know, is it a crossroads? What should you do? Have you been in the role too long? Are you bettering yourself and so on? I didn't really, I didn't really see it. I didn't really understand what he was referring to. And do you know what? It, it wasn't seven years for me. It was about 10. It got to a stage where I, I think in hindsight now, I think I was struggling. And, and it, it's, it's, it was hard to accept at the time, I think, having had so much momentum and, and, to, and made so much progress in my career and got involved in making things happen and improving that, that I think I stopped. And, and, and I think I ended up maintaining the status quo and fell into some actually quite poor habits in, in terms of being a little bit closed and not as receptive as I should have been, not working on improvements for me or the team and just getting on with the job thinking, well, you know, there is some repetition and naturally there'll be some things that we do time and time again. But uh, I, th I think I got just too embroiled in that kind of stuff, Phil. And, and actually, I think you then realised, I, I recognised that I was suffering it took me a long time, I think, to acknowledge that. But, but I think the impact then on your well-being, your mental health, it, it's the drip drip effect, I think. And I found myself feeling a little bit uncomfortable. And then I was thinking about stuff a lot after work and couldn't focus and a, a few nights where I didn't sleep too well and, and starting to, to start to feel that pressure. And I, I didn't really see it at the time. I think it's only now when I look back and, and I realise the place that I was at I think actually my mental health was I think I was struggling a bit and the worst bit for me is I've always been so good at helping others and I was absolutely rubbish at helping myself and I didn't I didn't do something about it I didn't talk to somebody I didn't accept that you know this is this is normal it happens these things go on that that you can't operate at 100% all the time but I guess the sooner you then recognize that you're not in that place and go and deal with it the better and I don't think I, I did that particularly well in truth. And it was only really with, with Ian, our managing director's support, that I, I think he was, he played an important role in, in recognising that in me. And that's a, a valuable trait from a leadership point of view, I think, is to, to help someone out of a hole. And, and I was in one. And it, it was, it's sad because on reflection, I went through a phase of feeling perhaps quite embarrassed about the fact that, that things went wrong for me because it was the first time in my career I would say that I've ever encountered that. But actually, I think it's a really important, it was a really important stage for me. I think it was a really important thing to have, to have experienced it because I've seen other people go through it so many times and I've, I've played a role in helping other people and, and actually it felt like a really lonely place to be for, for a period of time for me. And it, I had to do quite a bit of soul searching and, and, and to think again about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. I'm very proud of the fact that I, that I came through that and I certainly don't want to get back there again. I can I can say that for sure. So lots of lessons learned. And I think it, okay, you know, if I could have my time again, I think I would have listened to the chap who was trying to give me some advice to say, there'll come a stage if you, you know, remain in a role for a period of time where the danger zone is there, the complacency can kick in, the maintaining the status quo is possible. And I should have read between the lines, Phil, I think is the, the moral of the story, but I didn't. And I've learned some really important lessons from that. And I think um, it will keep me a bit sharper, I would say, in, in terms of uh, my self-awareness and also thinking about others as well. If, if I ever see somebody demonstrating some similar signals, then, then it's something I'll be very much able to relate to.
Great. Um, I'm going to ask you uh, to give me one common myth about HR that you'd like to dispel. I think the thing that's probably bugged me over the years is, is that the HR folk are the people who stop others from doing things. And, and I know that, you know, I, I, I can get the point that there's going to be risk adversity and so on. And, and, and there will always be a time when somebody has to have a view and say, well, we need to just be a bit considerate, a bit cautious about what we're thinking, what we're doing. But, but I, I really hope that the profession has, has moved on from being the kind of custodian of, of the risky stuff like employment relations and litigation and so on, because it just doesn't just doesn't really feature in terms of the modern thinking of what people management looks like for me. I think we've we've come such a long way in terms of understanding our people and, and how we engage them best and how we get the best out of them and how we develop them in a way that is interesting and exciting. Not not the boring stuff about uh, being the, the, the naysayer who stops everybody from doing all the things that they want to do. So I'm sure there are stereotypes. I'm sure there are people who still live up to that, but I'd really like to think that as a profession, we've we've very much moved on from that. Great. On one of the other uh, podcasts, uh, Sarah Wright uh, at REPL, uh, they, uh, she re made them rebrand to the people department rather than the HR department uh, just to uh, get rid of the, the stigma. So, uh, yeah, I can understand that one. And um, what advice would you have for others who are trying to get to where you've got to? I would, I would very much reach out because I guess the, it's when we talk about a, a profession a, a group of people and our vested interests seeing people grow and develop and giving opportunities should should be absolutely the core of our of our values and I know it's something that I was very lucky to have people who uh, spent time with me they didn't have to they didn't have to invest in supporting me guiding me mentoring me giving me opportunities and experiences but I, I think I, I think as a profession we're incredibly good at being open sharing we've we absolutely love giving people the opportunity to get in touch ask us questions come and spend some time with us as a team i mean obviously the last few months have been a little bit challenging in that regard but but we've always had that open door approach to say that if somebody wants to to learn about people management wants to learn about human resources in the context of a of a commercial business then we're, we're just so open to share and, and we've learned so much and as i hope i can talk quite openly about We've also made mistakes that, that I'm very happy to share and, and, and to talk about what it's taken, the, the lessons learned, the, the pros, the cons, the pitfalls, the, the rewards that come with developing a career in HR, just to be so candid about it, to make sure that if this is of interest to you, that it is absolutely the right thing for you, because I'm sure it isn't for everybody. And we've all got an idea of what we think a career looks like and then the actual reality of how it plays out. So, so I would say that reaching out, networking, just remembering that that those people working in, in HR roles, HR teams are very much about sharing and, and giving insights and information and, and to take advantage of that goodwill because, because we want to see people succeed and we want to pass on and share some of the opportunities and experiences that we've had. Brilliant. Um... And uh, I mean, that's sort of bringing us up uh, to time. If anyone wants to reach out to you, uh, what's, uh, can they do that? And what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, yeah, multiple ways. So I'm, my email address is michaelraybone at rickstein.com. I'm on LinkedIn as well. And I'm an occasional user of Twitter, but um, would, yeah, would very much welcome connections from anybody that, that would like to, if, if I can share anything in the way that others have shared with me that would help them to 
pursue improvement, their best companies, uh, their individual development, then, then I'd be very welcome to that. Great. Thank you very much, uh, Michael, for, uh, for giving us your time and, and the insights. It's great to hear that um, the Rickstein Group has you know, managed to, to get through the last few months and innovated. Um, you know, I hope uh, you've in, enjoyed being on the show and I hope the, uh, the listeners have enjoyed this episode of the HR Champions podcast. Um, thanks, everyone, and uh, stay tuned for more episodes. Thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by HR Recruit, part of Exec Recruit Group. We are a leading independent recruitment company and we specialise in recruiting leadership roles for ambitious businesses. The Exec Recruit Group consists of a number of specialist brands and these brands cover the fields of human resources, finance directors, accountancy, marketing, technology and executive and C-suite positions. If you are looking to add to your leadership team, or you are looking for a position for yourself, then we would love to hear from you. For more information, please visit execrecruitgroup.com.